Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know, the know. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates because knowledge is power. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This is an honor that I could never dream of. It's a little embarrassing, but I'll tell you what, I'm a very lucky guy. Thank you, Dallas. I love you. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B to claim your free three meals. Today's show is also brought to you by our Patreon sponsor, and that is Jason Elson. So thank you, Jason. If you want to be a Patreon sponsor, head to patreon.com slash redrock underscore basketball. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. The same on Instagram and Facebook is facebook.com slash redrockbasketball. We're going to talk about the stuff that went down on Tuesday on the court, off the court, a few little uh, things to discuss, and then try and uh, try and get my head or our heads around what is going to happen on Wednesday. And that's going to be basically impossible, just given the whole... Uh, the whole way that things are, are about to shake out, but uh, we, we'll the DFS part of the show will be formatted a little bit differently today. I'll, I'll say that much as we uh, as we get into that and start talking about it. But enough talking. Let's uh, let's get to oh, it. To that's it. that's what we need to do. We need to uh, get to it. Let's start with the monstrous. Actually, you know what? Let's not start with the monstrous line of the night because I've got to I've got to address something. This is me going a little bit AM radio here. Um, but I might as well address it. I've got I've got an audience here. I can talk about the amount of outrage today on Twitter from fans, which is standard, but from people involved in the NBA over the Nets sitting Brooke Lopez and Jeremy Lin for the final game of the season is absolutely unfathomable to me. The These are paraphrases of things that were said. The NBA needs to look into this. This is the last straw. They not, no, that wasn't. They didn't even say this is the last straw. The NBA needs to do this. Is an absolute joke. What is this organization doing? They are uncompetitive. They are making a mockery of the season. This needs to be investigated because the Nets are sitting Lopez and Lynn for Wednesday's game. I, I can't. I can't believe it. I cannot believe the amount of throwing arms up in the air. The amount of posturing. The amount of complaining about this egregious sin of them sitting Lynn and Lopez for one game on Wednesday. Have you not been watching the NBA this season with people resting games? And you can, and then people can throw back all sorts of arguments. And I, cause I would throw these arguments out there saying, have you not watched the NBA? Have you not seen the resting that's going on? How is this different to anything else that's going on? And the answer is, oh, but those teams are gearing up for a playoff run. Fine. Okay. All right. That's fine. LeBron resting. Giannis resting, Steph Curry resting, Draymond resting. They're gearing off for a playoff run. Kawhi, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, Russell Westbrook today. They're gearing up for a playoff run. Trevor Ariza. Okay, that's all fine. Go to the other teams. 
the Phoenix Suns have sat down their best player for the last month, haven't played him at all. Tyson Chandler hasn't played since the start of February, same as Brandon Knight. They just haven't played them. The Lakers decided that Tim Mozgov and, and Luol Deng, players who were deemed good enough to be their starters, they decided they wouldn't play them. Same as Nick Young. Three starters on this team, that they decided they won't play them again. And then the reason will come back saying, are oh, they trying to improve their draft picks? And that's a different story, and, and I accept that. What I don't accept is the Sacramento Kings sitting three, four, sometimes five guys a night out of rest for the last month. Yet no outrage, no no indignation, no anything. The worse the Kings make their draft pick, the worse it is for them. Because if it drops down too low over this last month, they lose it. It gets swapped with the Sixers. It doesn't help them to be losing games. It's them fielding an uncompetitive team, preserving injuries of older veterans, developing younger players. The same sort of thing that the Nets are doing for one single game. Where's the outrage of the Kings doing it? The Nets, again, they did it for one game. And you could say, oh, okay, well, the Kings, maybe they've got a marginal um, incentive for their pick. They don't really, because again, if it gets worse over this last month, if it had to drop below the sixes, they would have had to swap it and they wouldn't have got to reap the benefits of those increased lottery percentages. They don't reap those benefits. Even now, even if it doesn't drop below the sixes, if they move from the ninth worst record to the seventh worst record, those increased lottery chances help the sixes. They don't help the Kings. So what's the difference in that? Secondly, this happens all the time, every single year. The Nets did it last year. They shut down Thad Young and Brooke Lopez for the last five games of the season. The articles, you go look at them on ESPN. The Nets are smart to shut down these players. We're not going to see anything more from them this year. Let's protect our best players from injury for these last five games, and let's evaluate some other guys. No negativity said that. The Nets didn't have their draft pick last year. Last season, the Nets didn't have their first-round draft pick. The Washington Wizards didn't have their first-round draft pick. The New York Knicks did not have their first-round draft pick. On the final, we know that the, the Nets sat Lopez and Young. Carmelo Anthony didn't play for the Knicks in the final game of the season. He rested. Kristaps um, Porzingis didn't play the last game of the season. He had a sore shoulder. For the Wizards, John Wall did not play. Markeith Morris did not play. Bradley Beal did not play. Marching Gortat did not play. They had no draft pick to improve the odds of. They weren't getting ready for the playoffs. They had, according to everyone else, five months to rest in the offseason. Where, what's the difference? There is literally no, absolutely no difference whatsoever. Now, I'm not, I have been very vocally against what the Kings have been doing, what the Suns have been doing, really against it. I think it's abysmal that the incentive of them is to just not play guys for two months. For one game, it doesn't make any difference. It is fine. And you watch how many players are going to sit tomorrow. Dirk's, Dirk's not playing. Why aren't we bashing the Mavericks? Oh, you got nothing to play for. Can't even improve your draft pick. Dirk's not playing. Embarrassment. A joke. You need to be investigated. Harrison Barnes didn't play today. Wes Matthews didn't play today. Where's the investigation call? This is as ridiculous an argument as I've ever, ever heard. And I hear lots of ridiculous arguments. There is nothing wrong with the Nets sitting these guys for one game. 
Everyone predicted the Nets were shutting these blokes down in January. They missed one game. Watch how many people sit tomorrow. And again, this is not a common. This is not an uncommon thing. It happened with three teams who did not own their first round draft pick last season, and nothing was said about it. Recency bias is a massive, massive issue and a massive factor of people looking at things now and thinking it's the worst. This is the worst ever, or it's the best ever. No, it's not. It's just shit that always happens. And this mindset is just baffling. The other thing is it keeps rearing its head. The players aren't asking to rest. You're paid to do a job. Go and do your job. Don't ask out sick. They're not. They're not asking out sick. They are not going to the coach and say, mate, can you just give me a rest on Wednesday? That's not what's happening. They're not soft. They're not weak. It's not their decision. They're not making this call. They're not... You know, analogies to hard-working Americans who work in the coal mines or on the farms, they don't get a day off. It's bullshit. They aren't making this decision. They aren't coming in and saying, not playing. How different is it to someone who works in a store and fakes a sickie because they can't be bothered? That's, that's, more, that's an issue. What's the difference there? These players aren't doing that. They're being told, don't play. Mate, don't play. It's best for everyone if you don't play. It is not their problem. It is not, it's not their fault. And it is ludicrous the people who who spout off some of this stuff when it's just blatantly not true. Now, there are things that you can debate. You can debate about the level of play or if it was better nowadays than it was 20 years ago, which I was having plenty of those debates today. I think it's much better now than it was then, but you can have those debates because there's no way to compare it. You can't do it. But this stuff that literally happens every year, it literally happens. The exact same thing happened last year. And we act like this is some big affront to competitiveness because it's it's happening here one game for the Nets when it happens all the time and it's never mentioned. That's what pisses me off. My name's Josh Lloyd and this is my say. I need AM Sting music or something. Sorry for that, but this really just bothered me to no end today. Absolutely pissed me off and there's no... It pissed me off. <laughs> that's That's all there is to it. And now... A word from our sponsor, Blue Apron. Blue Apron is its a fantastic service. You've heard me talk about it before. I said I have used it before when I was over in the States. And honestly, I wish I had the ability to use the, the sort of ingredients and, and the quality that Blue Apron is providing over here in Australia. They are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. If you don't know what Blue Apron is, they, they're not providing meals to you. It's not them. They're not providing... I don't even know what you guys have in the States. It's not Lean Cuisine. It's not Jenny Craig. It's not prepackaged meals in containers that you throw in a microwave. They send you a box with fresh ingredients and recipes. Here's your portion of rice for this recipe. Here is your ground beef. Here is your fresh bok choy. Here are your lemons. Here is your garlic. Here's what you need for this recipe. All pre-portioned out, so there's no waste. You don't waste your time going to the supermarket, going to the market, going to the deli, going to wherever to get all this stuff. Blue Apron picks the food for you. Highest quality food they've got, sustainably sourced seafood um, that, that comes from uh, or it's developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. They get the highest quality fresh fruit and veggies, meat. It's as it's a, the best thing that you can do in terms of preparing restaurant quality meals without actually spending the amount that you would when you go out to a restaurant. You can get these meals for under $10 per person and you get the added knowledge of learning how to cook and the thrill, and honestly, it is a thrill. I cook all the time at home. I love cooking. I'm a, I'm a above average cook, I would say. Uh, I love doing it. It's, it's a real accomplishment to be able to put together something, go, look at this, and then taste it and go, you know what? That tastes pretty good. And with Blue Apron, you get all the tools to do that. This week, 
If you go into Blue Apron now, look at the stuff they've got coming up there. This one really appealed to me, the Taiwanese-style chicken with jasmine rice and two ingredients that I would pronounce differently than what you would pronounce over in the States. If I say it in the American style, you know what I'm talking about, then I'll give my answer. Taiwanese-style chicken with jasmine rice, crispy shallots, and cilantro. Or, as I would say, jasmine rice, crispy shallots, and coriander. I don't know why we call it coriander and why you call it cilantro. I don't know why all these things... There's another one here that's got uh, spiced beef sandwiches with, with tzatziki sauce and arugula and date salad, or as we would call it, rocket. I don't know why. I don't know why all these things are called something different. I don't know why zucchinis and courgettes are called different things and eggplants and aubergines are called different things across different countries. But regardless, this food looks beautiful. The stuff on Blue Apron, this is for the week starting April 24th. If you go on there and use our special offer, which I'll get to in a sec, you can get all these these food and you can get it for free. Another another crispy cod dish. Really uh, interested to try this, uh, these, this fish stuff that you guys have over there. Seems really interesting. Now, in order to uh, take advantage of this great deal, what you need to do is go to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. Blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create your incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So head across to blueapron.com slash L-O-F-B. Get yourself three free meals and support the podcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Now that I've calmed down, let's get into the monstrous line of the night. Yeah, Ty Lawson is the monstrous line of the night. Ty just uh, just casually dropped a triple-double, his first career triple-double, 22-11-12, 1-3-and-1 steal on 6-of-10 shooting and 9-of-10 from the line. I wasn't expecting Lawson to play in this one. He did have a 20-and-11 game yesterday. No, sorry, yesterday, two days ago. So I was expecting the Kings to sit him out and put Collison in, but again, their rest, resting patterns literally don't make any sense. There is no rhyme nor reason to them, so we don't know. If Lawson's going to play on Wednesday, could he go for three games in a row? Could he sit out another one? He has now sat, he's played the last two games and sat the previous two games. There is no pattern to what Ty Lawson does. So you know, what we look at here, it, it's going to be interesting to see whether he does play. He is, a, a amazingly, a top 30 player on per game value over the last um, over the last two weeks. But on total value, he's ranked 105th because he's played just four games because he sits out so many of them. If he is ready to go on Wednesday, maybe he is worth a look. But all things being equal, I would doubt that Ty Lawson actually plays on Wednesday just because two games in a row, Darren Collison two games out. Collison is apparently dealing with a migraine. Maybe that helps Lawson. Who knows? There is so much uncertainty happening on Wednesday, but definitely a huge performance from Ty Lawson to get, which I believe is his first monstrous line of the night, maybe ever in the history of this show. The waiver wire line of the night, I'm pretty excited about this one because... um Shake Your Booty Diallo put up a huge performance. And I have talked this bloke up for quite a while. And, and eventually it came good. 19 and 11 for Diallo. Two blocks. Nine of 10 from the field. He can be a, a player who rebounds the ball well. We've seen that. He can score. He blocks shots. And, and he can hit threes. He's a decent free throw shooter. He's not great, but he's decent. And he's got definite scope to improve there. Now, with the team that's in front of him, with Boogie and Davis there, it's going to be hard for him to develop um, or, or get consistent minutes in the future moving forward. It's going to require some sort of a trade or free agency or something like that. So it's a very, very long burn in Dynasty. But I think Diallo is very good. I think he's got the ability to develop into a a, a very, you know, an above average at least NBA starter. And this was a very good sign. Now, I would be stunned if Davis and Cousins play on Wednesday for the Pelicans. I'm not sure. I, I would be stunned, but another one of those situations 
where's the outrage about Davis and Cousins sitting? Is it because they've got fake injuries that it's okay, that it doesn't say rest? Is that okay that they don't, they that Cousins has missed the last three and Davis has missed the last two? Is that all right? Because their pick goes to the Kings unless it's in the top three. So is that okay? Must be. But as for uh, as for Diallo, this is what I've been talking about with this guy, and I imagine he gets these similar sort of minutes again on Wednesday, and he's able to put up production, maybe not exactly the same, but pretty close. And that's a that's a pretty decent effort once once there once again there for for Shake the young gun of the night. Carl Anthony Towns, he uh, he did it again, 26 and 12. He had an assist, he had a steal, he hit two triples, he went 10 of 20 from the field, and he was 4 of 4 from the line. He has um, played 81 games this year, 82 last season. I'll say it again, there are four safe teams. There might even be five safe teams in terms of minutes now. There's the Heat, there's the Pacers, and there's the Bulls, who are going to be playing their guys yeah, pretty much their full minutes in order to get into the playoffs. There's the Timberwolves because Tom Thibodeau doesn't understand sports science and medical information. And with the Lakers locked into the third worst record and coming on a five-game win streak, maybe they see no reason to sit any of their guys. So guys like Larry Nance and Jordy Clarkson and Brandon Ingram, if his minutes restriction is lifted, which it appears like it is, um, maybe those guys feel a little bit safer as well because there's no benefit in them losing except for the the injury risk of some of these guys, which is something to, to be aware of. So they're the teams who have got safety in numbers and Towns is going to be that guy. Again, he's had a ridiculous season. I think I talked about him two days ago, so I don't need to go too much on about Carl Anthony Towns here. The dud of the night, Ennis Cantor of the Oklahoma City Thunder, 10 and 8 for Ennis, a triple zero and some horrible shooting, 3 of 10 from the field and 4 of 8 from the free throw line. Very uncanter like his last two weeks have been abysmal. He has find, found himself ranked outside the top 275 in that time. Shooting has dropped way, way off, 44% from the field. That is not Ennis Cantor, so don't look at this and go, oh, Ennis Cantor, Taj Gibson's around, it's really hurting him. Yeah, look, it's hurting him a bit. It's, it's cut down a little bit of his um, playing time. But it's mainly the fact that he's gone from 54 to 44% shooting, which is not something that will stick. So if you're considering him in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, um, he's one of those guys who you should feel pretty safe about you know, replicating what he did for the majority of this season, not what has happened here over the last uh, over the last two weeks of the year when his shooting has just dropped right off. And that, that is part, and you know, we talk about this problem all the time, is people really value the first week of the season, two weeks of the season. It, it forms a narrative that they stick to for a long time. And they also will really value the last two weeks of the season because it, it's it's just to do with the way the human brain works. The last thing you saw or the first thing you saw that forms your, your initial opinion and your most recent opinion. Things that happen in the middle get very much lost. And that's what we do need to. That's why looking at numbers is so important and, and really looking at this stuff and, and, and trying to break it down. Um, ben Clark says the six is also a pretty good chance to keep their minutes going as they need to preserve the fourth best lottery odds. I think I think they're pretty much locked in, aren't they? But they've got so many guys out there, they can't afford to rest any players. They're just going to continue giving those minutes to McConnell, to Lawawu Cabro, to um, yeah, Poitras and Holmes, and Sharich will get his 24. I think their rotation is pretty much locked in. They won't be resting anybody. They can't really afford. They've already got five blokes out, I think. So they're not going to be resting. So they're another good team who you can feel fairly confident about their rotation moving forward or moving forward for one more day. Let's move in now and talk about these five games that are, that went down on Tuesday. The first one of those was Charlotte and Atlanta. 
No Kemba Walker, as I mentioned, and this is the Hornets' last game of the year. Jeremy Lamb stepped up 21-5 and with two steals. He's really gotten the, the faith back of Steve Clifford this season, which is going to be, it is going to be important to note for that for, for the future because he did lose it a lot last year, but it has improved definitely this season. Um, with Marco Bellinelli out, he really took that step forward. The, the Hornets just benched all their starters after halftime. Nick Batum played 10 minutes, Marv Williams, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist to give some minutes to some of these bench guys, but nothing really... Um, all that outstanding happened with any of these players aside from Jeremy Lamb. We didn't get to see anything great from Miles Plumley or Briante Weber or you know Christian Wood didn't really you know tear the house down or Travion Graham who, who was all right but nothing totally spectacular for the Hawks. They are now locked in in their seed at the at the five spot. So you would imagine that. There's going to be rests for them on Wednesday, almost guaranteed. And they they played basically half a game here anyway. Millsap, 22 minutes. Timmy Hardaway, 23. It was a smashing, so that's part of it too. Um, Schroeder at 26. Howard at 25. Just expect guys out or minutes to be limited right across the board. Uh, interestingly, with the minutes being limited, Torian Prince played just 23 minutes, so maybe they're considering a, a really strong part of their core, and they're not going to go, okay, just go out there and run your 20 or you run your 30 minutes, even with other guys resting. So that means I think you're going to see DeAndre Bembry, you're going to see Malcolm Delaney, you're going to see Mike Dunleavy, Jose Calderon, Mike Muscala, Chrissy Humphreys, these sort of guys get the big bump in minutes, whereas... Howard, Schroeder, Baysmore, Hardaway, Millsap, and Prince are probably the guys who it looks like they're going to you know, just ease off a bit and probably Ilias over those, who, which it appears like that's their top seven guys or top eight guys, and they'll be the guys that they ease off on on Wednesday. But some, you know, some good signs from Dwight in this game, 19 and 12 in his 25 minutes on 78% shooting. Not much else to really, uh, really talk about. Ben Clark says, is there anyone in the league who hasn't played a minute going into their last game? Do can't watch. No, not, not as far. And, and apart from the guys who have, um, who have signed, say like, uh, Eddie Tavares signed with the Cavs today. Also, he's going to sign with the Cavs on Wednesday. He hasn't played a minute, um, in the league, but he's been, he's been on the team for one, for not even a day. He'll be, been, been on the team for like eight hours if he gets a chance to play. Uh, Dante Jones, a similar situation. So I don't think there is anyone. I think everybody has played this year that's on a roster. I cannot, I can't think of anybody. I'm, and I'm, I don't think there is anybody who is on a roster who has not played a minute this year. No, uh, no, do you, do can uh, guys happening this season? Let's move on to the next one. It's Oklahoma City and Minnesota. There was no Russell Westbrook. There was no Andre Robertson. There was no Taj Gibson. They were all resting. Russell will return to action on Wednesday because Oscar Robertson is going to be in Oklahoma City to honor Russell for his triple-double record. So Russ will, is expected to play. Will he play four minutes? Absolutely no way. No way in the world will he play four minutes. Not a, not a chance. I don't think that Steve Adams plays. I don't think Victor Oladipo plays. Um... I don't think Robertson plays. I think you're going to get some opportunities for some of these other guys. So Marge Kristen started with Russ out. He played 30 minutes and was brutal. Two and three. Six assists is nice. While Norris Cole had 12, two and three with two steals. I don't think that you know, if Russ will come back, so he might play 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I don't think that adding Cole or Kristen's going to be all that much of a, of a good option. I don't mind looking at uh, DeMontis Sabonis, though. He had 19 and nine in 32 minutes. Now, Taj might return, but I think you're going to see 
especially if Adams or Cantor rest, you're going to see some more Sabonis, a little bit more development from him, and he could be an interesting guy to look at at Wednesday. And the other thing I loved here was seeing Victor Oladipo have 20 points, 9 boards, and 6 assists. And to me, that shows that, okay, Oladipo has not turned into a bad player. He is just in a situation that is bad for him. And that's playing alongside Russell Westbrook in terms of putting up his stats. And he's he's been a real disappointment this year. There's no doubt about that. And a lot of the reason that I thought he'd be a good play this year is because I thought that, or I didn't think that Russell Westbrook would play a whole season with a usage of 41 because that's what Russell Westbrook said. And that's what Billy Donovan said, that he wouldn't be doing that. And there was a massive hole to fill with usage and that Oladipo should be getting that in some of those ball handling options as well. And a real chance to build on the end of his season. So this is showing that he's still got that talent. He's just in a situation that doesn't allow it to happen. Steve Adams also had 10 and 8 with two steals and two blocks. So a nice performance from him. Um, but again, I, I don't think that those guys will actually play on Wednesday. Um, Cole, if you like Cole Singler, this was a good game for you. 11 and 4 for him in 28 minutes. But um, yeah, he wouldn't be a strong guy to add anyway. The Timberwolves, they're just keeping things as consistent as possible. Gorgie Jeng, 19 and 8 with two steals and a block. And Ravishing Rick Rubio had 14, 4 and 10. And they played 39 minutes for Jeng in a loss. And Rubio played 36 minutes. Towns played 40 and Wigo played 37. He had 18, 3 and 4 with two steals and a block. This will probably happen again on Wednesday. And Thibodeau will just grind them into dust and let them play their 40 minutes once more. Chris Dunn played 17 minutes and was bad. Omri Caspi had three steals. It's a little bit fluky. And uh, Brandon Rush played 22 in a start. There's, you don't want to be looking at these Timberwolves bench guys as, as options for Wednesday. I don't think anyway. Let's look at the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks. There was no Jameer Nelson. There was no Rooster. They're out for the year. There was no Ken Fareed. He is out for the year. Will Barton was out. I imagine he is out for the year as well. So we got some funkiness. In fact, Mike Miller played 29 minutes, so there's what you need to know. He had 8, 7, and 6 with two triples, a decent night from Mike, and he's probably going to have to see the similar sort of action on Wednesday. So deeper leagues, you might want to have a look at Mike Miller, and what a weird sentence that is to say. Nice, Gary! Big Gaz bounced back from a huge stinker the other night. 20 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, 4 triples and a steal, really taking on that rooster role. Um, and if Gallinari leaves in this offseason, Harris has legit got a chance to be a top 30 player if the rooster is gone. Because we saw that when Gallinari was out this year that Harris really did bump up what he can do, and, and we see it again here. It was also great to see the emergence or the, the really breakout of Malik Beasley, who played 32 minutes, 16-5-2, and two, two steals and two triples. He, to me, is why Will Barton won't be on this team for very long because he's obviously, to me, got a higher upside than Barton and plays that similar role. And I think we're going to see a pretty significant role from Beasley in the next one, in, in Wednesday's game. Now, Manny Moutier might play in that one, and that will limit some of Beasley's upside, but he could be looked at as an ad here. Wancho had 14-6 and six with three triples. He is a borderline 12-teamer, and Mason Plumley had 16-9 and nine with a steal and a block. I would imagine that Nikola Jokic doesn't play. He was um, not good in this game. He was disinterested, got some early fouls, and ended up with just 20 minutes. I don't think that he plays. And Wilson Chandler played 15. There is no reason for Jokic to play in the next game. So look for more Plumley. He would be a pretty strong add, in my opinion. As for the Blue Arrow, 10 points, 10 assists, 29% shooting is horrific. But otherwise, um, yeah, not a bad night from uh, from Jamal Murray. And he's a, he's a guy that you have to own at this stage. Now, the Mavericks. Tony Romo did not get into the game, but he was there. It was such a weird... 
a weird experience. I didn't really have too much of an issue with it. it didn't bother me at all. And I bothered a lot of people in a, in a lot of ways. Um, Dirk is done. His season's over. JJ Barea's season is over as well. They both started this game and played 27 minutes. And Dirk had 21 and 8 with three blocks. And Barea had 13, 4 and 9. But they won't play on Wednesday. So forget them. Drop them if you've got them. Um, Yogi Ferrell got his 35. His minutes are safe. 10, 5. Uh, sorry, not 10, 5. Uh, yeah, 10, 5 and 3 with a 3. It's a it's an okay night. While uh, Nick Brasino, my man, it wasn't the best night for Nick. He played 27 minutes and had 5, 2 and 2, but those minutes are going to be fine. Now, it wasn't announced until very much close to tip-off that the pencil on Wes Matthews wouldn't play. Um, they've missed the last couple, and if they play on Wednesday, which I don't think they will, uh, that will be a limited, a limited role. Dwighty Powell got 22 minutes. Expect that to soar on Wednesday. He is a decent ad. While Jared Utoff only played 20, and I would expect him to get upper 20s in minutes with, with Dirk and Berea both out. The New Orleans Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers, no Davis, no Boogie. Drew Holiday played 29 minutes. I would be stunned if he gets that, that amount of playing time on Wednesday. He had a 14, 4, and 7. I would still hold him, but he's a risk to be uh, to be sat down. Alexia Jinser is a guy I would add as well, 14 and 8 with a steal and a block, while uh, not much else really happening there on the Pals. Timmy Frazier had 6 points with 6 assists in 19 minutes, and Quinn Cook, just the three points on one of seven shooting and dished four assists. To me, Cook is probably a better bet to get more minutes than what um, than what Frazier is in Wednesday's game. On to the Lakers. There was no D'Angelo Russell with a, a grieving day for his grandmother. I don't think that he plays on Wednesday. And Meta World Peace started in his place. He played 25 minutes and had 18-4 and 1 with four threes and four steals. It was a weird, weird performance from uh, from World Peace. I don't know if it'll happen again. He might not play, but I would expect him to play a decent role in the next game. Ingram had 28 minutes, 15, 5, and 6. Had some decent highlights as well, but still, I just worry about his shooting and his conversion. It will get there, maybe. Well, maybe it'll get there, but it will take time. I wouldn't be looking at him as this superstar top 50 guy as early as next year. The minutes are also spread out all over the place. Julius Randle just saw 16 minutes. Jordy Clarkson just 25 minutes. And Larry Nance, the only player to go over 30. He had 7 and 8 with a steal and a 3. But again, they don't have any incentive to lose or to win. So we might see some of those minutes bump back up on Wednesday's game. You know, Clarko's the guy to, to make sure he's on, same as Larry Nance. Randall, Ingram, and Tyler Ennis is the other guy that I would look at in case they decide that you know, it's on the road, so we won't give Meta World Peace 25 minutes, and you could see some extra playing time for Ennis there, so he'd be a guy that I, I would look to. The last game of the night is the final game of the season for the Phoenix Suns. They rested Devin Booker, locked themselves up with the second-worst record in the NBA. Derek Jones Jr. started. He had 10-4-4 four, four in his 37, 33 minutes while TJ Warren had 14 and 7 in his 37. Alex Len, foul trouble, 4,016 minutes, 4 and 7, while Big Source finished off the season strongly with 14 and 11, as did Tyler Eulis, who had 27, 4 and 6. Another low percentage, high output game from Eulis. It was also a great sign to see Marquise Chris play 40 minutes. He had 22 and 7 with two blocks. He had been quite limited recently, but that's a big performance, while Dragon Bender had 5, 4 and 2 in his 21 minutes. Um, shout out to uh, Greg Esposito as well, who had a custom-made Bender figurine with the Bender head from Futurama and the Dragon Bender body holding a beer. He tweeted it to me today on my timeline. So you're going to—I retweeted it today, but he had that custom-made, and it's—it's uh, it's ridiculously good for the Kings. Who knows? I, I don't know what to predict. 
Three, four people will rest. No doubt about that. Who they are, who knows? There is literally no pattern to this. Bud healed. He got his 33 minutes and had 30 and 6 with four triples. I feel good about his minutes. Papayanas played 27 and had 13 and 7 and a block. I feel good about his minutes in the mid-20s, and that's a 12 to 14 team league sort of guy. Will Cauley-Stein is seeing his minutes reduced. He played 21 and went 13 and 4, but he is still a guy I would own, as is Scalabissier, who had 12 and 6 in 26 minutes. And that does it for all of the action from Tuesday. I'm going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to have a look at whatever the hell is going to happen on Wednesday. Tuesday on Fangio, Tyler Eulis, 41.8, and Ty Lawson, 52.2. Gaz Harris at 40.6. Nice, Gary! That was a delayed one. Bud Heald, 37.2. Wigo had 31.6, and Meta World Peace had 31.3. Gorgie Jeng, 37.1. Dirk had 39.1, and Carl Anthony Towns, 42.9, for a total of 353.8, and that costs $56,900. On DraftKings, Eulis 44, Heald 40.5, World Peace 34, Jeng 38.5, and Towns 46.5. Harris had 44.5, Nowitzki 40.5, and Ty Lawson 59.25 for a total of 347.75, and that cost $49,100. Now, I'm not going to do the DFS preview like we normally do it, because there is literally... Outside of those four, maybe five teams that I mentioned, every player on every team is questionable. So nothing makes sense. Minutes, are, if, even if they play, their minutes are going to be reduced. So for God's sake, just be careful what you do on DFS. This is the worst day you could possibly do anything. There is going to be shit flying around all over the place. It's going to be an absolute nightmare working the projections at Basketball Monster tomorrow just with stuff happening all over the place and trying to figure out exactly who is and who isn't playing. What I will do here is go through all of the teams and talk about who is in and who is out as of now and where I see the other risks and then go through and say, here's a few guys who I feel fairly good about. So that's just doing it in a, in a different way because it's impossible to do it the other way. I'd just be wasting my and your times. Let's talk about the Raptors first. At this point, they don't have any um, outs or, or questionable players, but I would be stunned if these guys play. Last season, the Raptors in the same spot, they sat everybody. No Lowry, no DeRozan. Everybody was out. So expect the same thing. Now, I think you might see Lowry play just because he hasn't played for so long and just to get his legs back under him. But I think everyone else will be out. So I think you're going to see big minutes from guys like 
Norm Powell, Corey Joseph, DeLon Wright. I reckon you'll see some Jakob Pertle. I reckon you'll see some Bebe. I think you. I think you'll see those guys. Yeah, step forward and, and put up some uh, put up some use, useful numbers. I don't think you'll see much Damari Carroll. I don't think you'll see much PJ Tucker. I think you'll see some Pat Pat and those other guys that I mentioned. So they are at a significant risk, the Raptors, of, of sitting those guys. And that could open up some value. For the Cavs, Tristan Thompson is likely to play. He's missed those last couple of games with a thumb injury. They want to work him back in. He'll probably play you know, mid-20s in minutes would be my guess. LeBron is out. So you can talk about teams resting. Look, the Cavs have got something to play for. LeBron's not in. That's not a big deal, apparently, according to people. Um, he's out. Kyrie Irving should play. That's the word. But he will not play a full load of minutes. Neither will Kevin Love. They, The Cavs are likely, or they're going to sign Dante Jones and Eddie Tavares on Wednesday. They, they have waived Larry Sanders, who is just not good. Someone asked me, you know, what's happened to Larry Sanders? He's not good. He's, he's just not good. He hasn't been good for four years. And yes, he hasn't been in the NBA for three of those, but he wasn't good in his last year in the NBA. He's done. He's finished. So Tavares and Jones are going to sign. They might actually get minutes. Kay Felder, if he is not uh, injured, he might actually get some minutes. But I think you're going to be looking at James Jones, Dick Jefferson, Channing Fry, um, Iman Shumpert, these sort of players for the Cavs, because it's they're not going. No one's going to be going full balls to the wall here. You're going to have Kyrie play and you're going to have Love play, but it's going to be like 20 minutes, 18 minutes, and then 26 minutes to these other guys. This is not a good game to target. Minnesota and Houston. Um, Patrick Beverly, Clint Capella, Nene, they're all probable. They missed the last game, but again, if they play, they're not playing full minutes. Jim Harden. No, Ryan Anderson will play less than 20. Eric Gordon will play 20. You're going to see 30 out of Troy Williams would be my guess, around that mark. Um, you might see some uh, some more Chinanu on Waku. It, it's a, another team that there's nothing strong looking about. I don't know whether Harden will rest, but I, I imagine you're going to get Reza out. I imagine you're going to get Eric Gordon out. Um, maybe Lou Williams uh, or, Eric, or one of those guys will, will be out. So there will be some opening. But the guys you, I think you're going to look at is going to be Troy Williams as probably the main one. Bobby Brown as another option there as well. Um, and then they will return, but whether he plays enough minutes to be a factor, I'm not sure. And if they sit Capella out, then you look at the table, Montrez Harrell, who put up uh, 30-plus minutes in the last game, put up a pretty big double-double. So there is potentially some value value there. But at this stage, it doesn't look great. Minnesota Timberwolves, there's nothing to be. They're just going to do what they do. So the value in Towns, in Wiggins, in Rubio, in Jeng, it's rock solid. So they should be really, really strong. Unless Thibodeau just reverses course completely, which is possible, but unless he reverses course completely, they are cash staples to me. And I don't care if Wiggins is not really a cash guy. His minutes are going... If you're going to spend 8000 bucks on a guy or 10000 bucks on a guy like Towns, I want 40 out of Towns. If I get 30 out of Wiggins, it's all right, given the other uncertainty with any of these high-priced guys, unless you're happy in Fangio going in there with a roster that costs $51,000. Brooklyn and Chicago, we know Lynn is out. We know Lopez is out. I reckon the rest of the players are fairly solid in terms of what they're going to do. So Trevor Booker is also out. So I think you're going to get you know, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as being a useful option. Justin Hamilton, especially with Quincy Acey out also, Justin Hamilton is going to be a sensational option as a power forward, as a center. 
I like him. I like Hollis Jefferson. I like Levert. Um, I like Dinwiddie a lot. I like Isaiah Whitehead also. So there is going to be some value in the in the Nets game, and we know that the Bulls are going to want to win because they need to lock themselves into the playoffs, and they should. But the Nets aren't going to roll over. That's just not what they're doing. They're missing their two best players, yes. But I think the Nets can keep it competitive. And there's any, anything I know about the Bulls is that they are just as likely to screw this up as, as anything. So I think there is some value there with those Nets guys. Now, as for the Bulls, like the like the Timberwolves, Jim Butler, yeah, pretty rock solid. Nikola Mirotic, pretty good. Dwayne Wade's a decent option here. Um, Rondo, I don't think that Rondo plays. So Jaron Grant, do we go for four in a row good games for Jaron Grant? That might be pushing it a little bit, but I, I don't hate the option. I actually think it's a it's a decent spot to be in. In a tournament, you can look for Bob Portis. I, I think Robin Lopez is a, is a pretty good option as a, um, as a center in the Justin Hamilton matchup. So the Bulls are one of those teams that you feel pretty good about. Milwaukee and Boston. The um the Bucks. They are sitting Chris Middleton, Matthew Dellavedova, Tone Snell, and Yanni Adetokounmpo. They're going to start Rashad Vaughn, Miza Toledovic, Thon McCurr, Mick Beasley, and Brogo. So Brogo is a very, very strong option here, although, although he is their starting point guard. So maybe he plays 20 and they give the mitten 30 minutes. Gary Payton the second. So I'm not, I'm not totally in on um, on Brogo. I am. I am in on Beasley. I am in on Toledovic. Um, and Vaughan and McCurr become punt options. Because even though, say, Greg Munro is not resting, I think that we see a 12-minute Greg Munro. But that also could mean we see 18 John Henson or 14 Spencer Hawes and not enough McCurr. But he becomes a, a tournament-type option. But they're sitting everyone. So the Celtics, therefore, have a much easier path of winning getting that one seed and resting their guys too. Now, they haven't announced any rest because they want to get this victory to get the one seed. But once they're 40 points up at half time, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, these guys are going to be limited. You're going to see James Young. You're going to see uh, Terry Rozier. You're going to see Jalen Brown. You're going to see um, Tyler Zeller or Jonas Repko. You're going to see you know, 25 minutes out of, you know, I reckon 25 minutes max out of these Celtics players. Given the matchup, given the Bucks having no players who are good left really at all, aside from Brogdon, um, I think you're going to see you know, the Celtics players aren't going to be good DFS options. Despite them actually having something to play for, they'll have it played for, and then it'll be done by half time, and they'll play 24 minutes, 20 minutes maybe. That's not the situation you want to be in. Detroit and Orlando, we know what's happening in Detroit, and that's Weirdness. That's what continues to happen with uh, with that team. So expect Boban, expect Henry Allenson, expect Marcus Morris and Contavious Caldwell Pope to be limited. Expect big minutes from Ish Smith. Expect Darren Hilliard to be your backup point guard and be a useful play. Expect Reggie Bullock to be a decent option. Um, don't use Andre Drummond. Don't use the tackle box. Morris, KCP, Toby Harris, even a risk. I think that you're going to have multiple guys resting here from the Pistons, and you're going to see 30 of Allenson, 30 of Boban, you know, probably 28 of Bullock, 25 of Hilliard, 30 of Smith, 30 of Stan Johnson. I think that's the way it's going to roll. And they could become valuable options. But at this point, it's up in the air. But if these guys play, like Drummond and, and Harris and Morris, they're not going to see 30 minutes. They're going to be very limited. So that puts them in a, in a tough spot as well. For the Magic, I'm not sure what to get out of the Magic here. In the last game, their starters played like 29 minutes because they got smashed by 50 points. 
So that's understandable. The game before, still with nothing to play for, they all played 33 minutes. I still think being the last game of the year that, that Frank Vogel won't play them their 33. I think you might see 29 out of Fournier and, and Lord Alfred and Azza Gordon and Terry Ross and Nikola Vucevic. Um, and you might get a little bit of extra Garino or George Hunt, um, Jody Meeks. Uh, I don't remember which backup point guard's turn it actually is. I think it might be CJ Watson's. You might get a little bit, yeah, four or five extra minutes out of those guys. But as those backups push to 15 to 25 and the starters go from 35 to 27, it takes away all value or all DFS edge in that sort of a spot. So I don't see the Pistons coming and smashing the Magic by 50. But there's also going to be no reason for them to run these guys out there for 35 minutes. So it's another situation where there's literally nothing for these guys to play for. I don't imagine they rest, but them not resting is probably a worse situation because it opens up no value when you get 13 guys all playing 18 minutes or more. So that's one of those spots. Atlanta, I expect wholesale rest. They take on the Indiana Pacers. Um, the Pacers will, you know, we'll talk about them. So I, I, I think that Millsap's done. I think Schroeder's out. I think Dwight's out. Um, I think that, now Tarbo will play less than 20 minutes. I think that, um, Hardaway's out. Baysmore, I'm not sure, but I think you're going to get Delaney, Calderon, Bembry, Muscala, Ilyasova, those guys, Chris Humphreys picking up the boost, not necessarily Hardaway or Prince, some of those younger guys, because they will want to save those guys for the playoffs. As I said earlier, they're part of that main rotation. So Hawks players, you'd be punting in a GPP on, on Jose Calderon or DeAndre Bembry if that's what ends up happening. For the Pacers, they have got all the motivation in the world to, to play their guys because they win, they're in the playoffs. The thing is, is that once the Hawks shut it down, if they're uncompetitive, then the Pacers will just go, we're up 30 here in the third quarter, mate. Paul, can you take a seat, mate? We don't need you out there. Miles Turner, we don't need you out there. So that's the risk associated with the, the Pacers guys. And we saw the other day that the Hawks benching all their starters beat the Cavs. I don't think that that will necessarily happen here. I don't think that turning on that sort of miraculous performance two games in a row is, is a big likelihood for the Hawks. But it's a possibility. So that is something to pay attention to. So, yeah, Paul George, Jeff Teague, My name is Jeff. Um, Miles Turner, Thad Young, they all have more value than some of these other guys. We've got absolutely nothing to play for, like the Rockets players, like the uh, like the Raptors players. They've got nothing at all to play for. These Pacers guys do, so they might. You know, they're going to become decent options. You know, George Teague, Young, and Turner are going to be DFS options. The Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks. I think the Sixers are going to be rock solid. McConnell, Lawawu Cabrero, um, Holmes, Sharich will get his 24. Then you've got Poitras off the bench. You've got Justin Anderson. You've got Sauce Castillo. But they're not going to be real locked DFS guys. But I think Lawawu Cabrero is. I think TJ is. I think Rishon is. Um, the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Long. I'm not sure about him. His minutes have been a little bit sporadic, but he would be a decent GPP option. But I think that you're just going to see the exact same rotation from the Sixers as what you've seen in every other game. And that's going to mean 35 for TLC, 35 for McConnell, 24 for Sharich, 31 for Holmes. That similar sort of number that we've seen pretty much every game. For the Knicks, no way we're seeing Mallow, no way we're seeing Porzingis. So forget that. Porzingis. Um, Billy Hernan Gomez is a solid option, I think. But any riskiness can happen. Maurice Ndua is a good play. Rugged Ronnie Baker 
is not bad. I like Justin Holiday a lot here as well. A 30-minute performance from Holiday shouldn't be unexpected. I wouldn't I wouldn't be stunned to see Courtney Lee not play at all. So watch for that one. But Holiday, Hernan Gomez, um, Ndua, Baker, and maybe Cock, maybe a little bit of O'Quinn will be uh, will be worthwhile looking at. But those other guys feel more solid. But I, I don't think we're not seeing Mallow. We're not seeing Chris Dapps. And I don't think that we're going to see Courtney Lee. That's that's a chance as well. The other thing is that Joe Kim Noah apparently has a torn rot- rotator cuff. He's going to have sh- sh- not shoulder on his surgery. He's going to have surgery on his shoulder. And he's going to be undergoing rehab for four to six months, which if you look at the calendar, six months from now is the 12th of October, which is like a week before the season starts. Three years to go. A lot of money left on that contract. And and he already misses those first 10 games of the season. And I, don't, I don't, actually don't know the ruling on this because he was fraudulently ruled clear to play so that he could start his 10-game suspension at the end of this year. Now, if he's injured at the start of next year, does that suspension go on hold and then he has to wait to come back until the 10 games can be played? Also, I think that is an absolute bullshit rule. Um, it's a horrendous rule that... Yeah, you can be. You're only suspended once you're healthy to play because it is just. I understand the point of it. I understand the idea behind it, but it just gets. It's just prone to be taken advantage of. Like Noah can't walk, can't move. Just put your um tracksuit on, mate, and we'll just make you active and sit on the bench as the thirteenth man, so we can get this thing started. He was never healthy to play. It's a load of shit. So I don't know what happens with that at the start of next season, but he's a write-off anyway. Just forget, forget him. Um, where else are we? Uh, where are we at now? Did I even talk about? Did I miss a team? Yes, I think I missed Denver. Did I? Yes, I did. Well, we'll talk about um, we'll talk about Denver now. Denver and and, uh, and Oklahoma City. I don't, yeah, I don't think we talked about them. Um. The Nuggets, the only change from today is if Manny Moutier returns, and that will cut into Mike Miller's minutes and will cut into Malik Beasley's minutes, and I think they would want Moutier to play those 25 or so minutes, and he would become a solid option. I like Jamal Murray. I like the Blue Arrow a lot here. Gaz Harris is decently solid, although there's a risk to me of him sitting. There's also a risk of Jokic sitting, but Plumley, Wancho, um, Murray, Moutier, and Beasley become strong options, I think, for Denver. Um, we're not going to see Farid. He is out. The Roosters out. Jameer Nelson is out. For the Thunder, I talked about Westbrook coming back, but his minutes will be limited. And Robertson, Gibson, I don't really like anybody on this Thunder team. I think Oladipo can rest. I think Adams is almost a definite to rest in this game. Um, not not a lot to like about this contest from a uh, from a DFS point of view anyway. Which uh, game are we at now? The Washington Wizards and the Miami Heat, there was no John Wall in the last game. I don't see why they would want John Wall to play in this one or why they would want Otto Porter to play who missed last game or why they would want Brad Beal to play or why they would want Markeith Morris to play or why they would want Marcin Gortat to play or why they would want Jan Mihinmi to play who's dealing with a calf problem. So you're going to get big doses, I think, of Brandon Jennings, Tomas Sataransky. You're going to get Kelly Oubre. You're going to get Jason Smith. You're going to get Daniel Achufu, almost definitely. You're going to get some Sheldon Mack. You're going to get some of these guys um, who you might not be expecting. There is no reason for Beal and Wall and Morris and Porter and Gortat to play. 
there's absolutely no reason for them. So don't expect to see those guys on the road. They won't play. So look at Jennings, look at Sataransky. Um, not actually, not, actually, Sataransky, if he plays at the two, yes, look at him. Jennings, Sataransky, um, Smith, and Ubre as a, as a tournament type option in that scenario. Now, for the Heat, they need to win and they need the Bulls or the Pacers to lose. Good luck. The Bulls are playing the Nets and the Pacers are playing the clinched Hawks. So upsets can happen, but the Heat need a lot to go right. I don't think that Dion Waiters is going to be right here. Um, he, he could be okay, but I, I don't think so. We, um, we know that Luke Babbitt and Josh McRoberts are both listed as active. I don't think McRoberts plays, but Babbitt will come back and play a little bit, and that'll take some of the shine off Jim Johnson. But him, the two Johnsons, Jimmy and Tyler, Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, I think they are all strong DFS options. Scooter Magruder, not so much. The Duke Wayne Ellington's a good GPP option, but you're looking at the two Johnsons, you're looking at Goran, you're looking at Hassan, and of course, you're looking at Joshy Richardson, who should be in for another big, big night. So he and those guys become really good cash DFS options. Dallas and Memphis. Dirk is out. JJ Barea is out. I don't know about the pencil. I don't know about Wes Matthews, but I don't think that they will play. Or if they do, they won't approach 20 minutes. Same as Nerland's Noel. So you're going to get Nick Brasino. You're going to get um, AJ Hammonds. You're going to get a shitload of Dwight Powell. He becomes a good option here. You're going to get 30 plus of Yogi Ferrell as another uh, another good option. You're going to get 30 plus of Dorian Finney-Smith, which translates to about four Fangio points. So that doesn't really matter. But you're looking at guys like Utoff, Hammonds, Powell, Ferrell, um, Brasino, what a what a lineup that is! But they're the guys you're going to be looking at here because no Dirk, no JJ, limited if any Wes, limited if any Pencil, um, limited Noel. Those other guys will pick up the slack. For Memphis, Jim Ennis is listed as questionable. I would throw Conley, I would throw Gasol, I would throw Zebo onto all that list. I would throw Tone Allen onto that list as well. And even if they play, which is probably what's going to happen you're going to see him for a half. So there is no use in any of those players, if that's the case, none. If they get 20 and the backups get 20, then none of them, um, none of them happen. None of them are useful. Now, Luke Smith says, clearly you need to rest a podcast, Joshy. Luke, I'm going to take tomorrow off. A DNP did not podcast rest for tomorrow. Not, not podcasting tomorrow, but then we'll be back on uh, what day? On Friday with the um, award show and the uh, playoff prediction show, and not all the votes are in on our award show, but the um, I know the results of the MVP, and I know the results of the uh, of the Rookie of the Year, and the Rookie of the Year one is super interesting, as is and it's going to spark some debate. I can guarantee you, and I have got a lot of thoughts on that too. And the MVP one is pretty interesting too. So we'll see that announced. But yes, it'll be a DNP. Rest for me tomorrow, no doubt. Actually, be DMP, um, DMP haircut. Going to get a get a, get a fresh airy tomorrow. See how it goes, and then uh, they come back fresh for the potty the next day. That's just me speaking in an, uh, in my Aussie lingo. The Spurs and Utah. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> there is no way that Kawhi, Lamarcus, Powell, Tone, Dan, Manu, they're not playing. <laughs> they're not playing. We don't know that though at this point. So really hard to get a, a full hang on it. But I don't think they're playing. The Spurs take on the Jazz. Now, Gordy Haywood, Derek Favors, and Rocket Rodney Hood have all been upgraded to probable and should be upgraded to probable 15 minutes because that's what I think they will play. They're not playing a full load. Georgie Hill won't. He played 20. He'll play, but he played 20 minutes in the last game. That's what he'll play again. 
onto the Spurs. Kyle, if those rests happen, Kyle Anderson is the guy that you want to look at. DeJounte Murray is going to come back. And he could be interesting because I think they do limit Pat Mills. So I reckon you'll get 30 out of DeJounte Murray. Kyle Anderson, John Simmons, um, Davis Bertans, Dave Lee, and The Undertaker. But this all ends on these guys sitting out. But that's what I expect happens. And if you don't know who The Undertaker is, it's Dwayne Dedman. And uh, I think that he could see 27 minutes, get a double-double in two blocks, and that should be decent use for his um, DFS value. On the Jazz side of things, with all these guys probable, Haywood, Favors, and Rocket, they'll play, but you won't get a full idea of what Jinglin Joe will do or what Shelvin Mack will do or what Alec Burks may do. The answer to Alec Burks is probably nothing. But you know, Jinglin Joe and Shelvin... Um, Joe Johnson, Rudy Gobert might sit. I wouldn't be stunned if Rudy Gobert sits. And that opens up a myriad of possibilities. If, if Rudy Gobert is out, Jeff Withy becomes a very, very sneaky option. We remember last year, or well, you might not because you know, things escape people's memories quickly. When Favors and Gobert were out last year, Withy was an absolute DFS stud every night. Minimum salary, he's like 25 points every night, 30 points. He was consistently good, and he is a name to watch. Jinglin Joe, Shelvin Mack, Jeff Withy, they're, they're the guys to watch. But with Haywood playing and Hood playing and Favors playing, it cuts the edge off these guys' upside. It takes them from being 37-minute upside guys to 30-minute, 28-minute upside. And that, that does, that does limit what you can, uh, what you can get out of them. The Sacramento Kings and Los Angeles Clippers. Well, we know the Kings, Kings are, are arresting multiple players. We just don't know who at this point. Scal, Bud, they're getting close to 30. Willie, high 20s. Langston, Ben McLemore, mid to high 20s. Everyone else, no idea. Stunned if Lawson plays. Um, stunned if Aflalo plays. And that opens up Collison. That opens up Temple. But I, I don't know. Papianis, solid for mid 20s. So, Heald, Corley Stein, Lebissiere, these are guys that you want to consider for DFS. On the Clippers... Forget it. I think that these teams, and the Jazz have said it already, and the Clippers will say it, they value health more than this 4-5 seeding. So don't don't be surprised if you get 21 minutes out of Chris Paul and DeAndre and Blake and JJ and Jamal and Luke, and you get 25 minutes of Paul Pierce, and you get 27 minutes of Mo Spates, and you get 21 of Face Ray Felton. That's how I would expect this game to go. Half, half a game for each of these guys. And that eliminates almost all DFS value out of this entire game. The last game, or not, sorry, we've got two more games to go. The Lakers and the Warriors. Now, the Lakers don't have anything to lose for. They don't have anything to win for either. D'Angelo, I don't think plays. So that, and I don't think we're going to get 25 minutes of Meta World Peace as a starter. I think we get Tyler Ennis back in and he becomes a very, very strong play, as does Clarko. Actually, no, Clarko not 100% because he only played 25 minutes there. I think Larry Nance does. I wouldn't use Julius Randle. Um, Tariq Black is not appealing to me. I think that you want to look at Ennis. I think you want to look at maybe Nwaba um, and, and and Nance. Clarko potentially, but there is a risk of him seeing his minutes limited as well. As for the Warriors, Draymond is out. Andre Iguodala is out. Steph won't play more than 25. Kevin Durant, much like Kyle Lowry, who we talked about way back at the start of this show, I think that Durant might actually 
push closer to 30 just to get some game time under his belt and feel more comfortable. So he is going to be a guy that if you're spending up, I would feel more comfortable with him playing 30 minutes than nearly anybody else on this slate. But his salary is so high that I'm not sure that it's actually going to um, benefit you. We'll see though. With Iguodala out and Matt Barnes out, then Pat McCaw, Ian Clark, they're going to have an increased role. Now, Sean Livingston might be all right, but Steph was probably going to play 20 minutes. So that limits what Livingston can do. But Clark and McCaw and James Michael McAdoo and the other guy who's going to play in this game and play a bit is Damian Jones. And I think that Damian Jones can produce more from a fantasy point of view than what McAdoo can. So I wouldn't be adverse to using him in a GPP situation with Draymond out. So keep an eye on Damian Jones. I think he is the sneaky one for this team. For the Pelicans and Portland, I don't think we've got Boogie. I don't think we've got Tone. I don't think we're going to have Drew play in this one. So I think you're going to be looking at Ejinsir again. You're going to be looking at Shake Diallo. You're going to be looking at um, Jordy Crawford. You're going to be looking at um, Axel Tupan, maybe. He plays for the Pelicans now. I don't think you're necessarily going to be looking at him. But I reckon you might, if Drew is out especially, uh, Timmy Frazier would be worth a look. Jordy Crawford, Sheikh Diallo, uh, Ajinsa, they're the players who I think, especially Ajinsa and Diallo, assuming that Boogie and Davis, and even if Boogie and Davis play, they're playing under 20. No doubt about that. But those other guys, Diallo, Ajinsa, maybe you take a flyer on Solly Hill. I wouldn't feel great about that. Timmy Frazier, Jordan Crawford are the other, other option. Oh, Quinny Cook is the other one that I think you can take uh, take a look at as well for a 27 to 30-minute role, especially if um, if Drew is out, he, he gains a lot of value. But there is some guys there, but it's all up in the air at this point. For Portland, um, Dame and CJ think they'll be back. Cool. That won't mean 35 minutes. They won't play that. They they will not. They will play low 20s. So Shabazz, Shabazz, always get this mixed up, Shabazz Napier will be good but he won't be as good as he was in the last game because he won't be playing 37 minutes. Now, if we hear that Lillard and McCollum are out again, then let's roll with Shabazz Napier. He becomes one of the best options on the board. Same as Pat Connaughton. But if these guys play 20 minutes, then Shabazz goes from 37 minutes to 27 minutes. And yeah, that limits what he can do. Connaughton goes from 34 minutes to 18 minutes. Limits what he can do. Does Mo Harkless return? Yeah, cutting down what Evan Turner does. One guy I do feel confident about is Noah Vonley. I think he is going to be a strong option in his 30 minutes. And I think Myers Leonard, you're probably going to get close to 30 out of Myers as well with with limit placed on El Camino in this game. So watch for Myers, watch for Vonley, and check the status of Lillard and McCullum for guys like Connaughton and Napier. But Napier would be the number one guy of that group. So that's, again, this is a mess. It's a mess at this stage. It'll be a mess leading up to the games with about half an hour to go. It'll be a mess after the after lock. Don't worry about that. Now, if I want to talk about some guys, I'm going to go through by position and just talk about some guys that I, that I do like overall in this slate in place of, say, picks of the day. At point guard, I like Spencer Dinwiddie at 4,100 on FanDuel. I like Yogi Ferrell at 4,800. I like the Blue Arrow at 4,600. I like Ish at 5,600. Um... Isaiah Thomas, to me, out of the higher price guys, obviously the Celtics got a lot to play for, but there is a risk of that turning into a blowout. Um, but I think that Thomas is is a tournamenty type of guy if you've got that cash around. I like Tyler Ennis a lot here. I like the 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 mitten Gary Payton the second as a um, as a definite punt option. I like T.J. McConnell. I like Jeff Teague, and I like ravishing Rick Rubio with uh, Corey Joseph and Bob Brown also 
becoming decent point guard options. At shooting guard, Ian Clark and Rashad Vaughn. I like them both as tournamenty type guys. I like Jordan Crawford and Justin Holiday and Nick Brasino as decently solid cash plays. Same with Malik Beasley and Pat McCaw. I think they are solid plays, as is Karis Levert at 4,200. I feel pretty strongly about Levert. Same with Joshy Richardson at 5,300. And um, Quinn Cook is uh, is a decent, cheaper Sort of a sort of a play here. Evan Fournier in the mid price guys is probably feels a little bit stronger than a lot of other guys because I'm just not 100% sure what the Magic are going to do. But there is still that element of risk there with him, and I, I don't totally dislike Dwayne Wade at 6,400. He hasn't been able to play full minutes, and he might not be able to here. But again, with the Bulls having stuff to play for still, he could be worth uh, a sneaky pick. I also like Reggie Bullock and Timotei Luawu Cabarro, as well as uh, Gaz Harris, if they decide to go with him for his decent uh, amount of minutes. Again, Darren Hilliard's a, a sneaky guy too. At small forward, Mick Beasley, Mirza Toledovic, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, really strong, cheap, small forward options. Rondé's pushing into the mid-price range. I do like all three of those guys. Kyle Anderson is a, is a strong player, I think, too. Stan Johnson and Kevin Durant, who's at 9,800, probably the best high price guy that, that is really left on the board. It's him or Paul George or Jim Butler. Unfortunately, they all play at the same position, so that might make it hard. But having Durant and Butler or Durant and George you know, locked into a lineup is pretty strong. And you know, Whiteside and Towns are your centers in that spot. Wiggins, another small forward who you can lock in in that role. You know, Teague and Rubio are your point guards in that sort of a position as well. Uh, other small forwards to pay some attention to, Jinglin Joe Ingles, Andrew Wiggins, as I mentioned, Paulie George. Um, I, I don't I don't 100% dislike a punt on DeAndre Bembry, but I'm not sure there's a there's a real lot there to, to be seen, to be honest. At power forward, we're looking at Sheikh Diallo as a minimum salary guy, and you could even have a punt on a guy like Jim Michael McAdoo. I'm not totally into that. I love Dwight Powell. I think Larry Nance, Myers Leonard, Henry Allenson, Scale LeBissier are all strong options as well. Maurice Endure and our savior Jimmy Johnson at 6,500. Um, Wancho, Gorgie Jang is rock solid at 5,700. Hard to find a, a more rock solid player at that price. Noah Vonley, Rishon Holmes, and Nicola Miritich are also some guys who you should be considering as, as pretty strong options. At center, Boban, Bill Hernan Gomez, Ajinsa, Justin Hamilton, um, Kylo Quinn, they're all strong plays. Mason Plumley, Damian Jones as your fly at tournament guy. Miles Turner at 6,500 as a strong mid-priced player. AJ Hammonds as a flyer. Robin Lopez is a, as a pretty steady guy. Same with Vooch and Hassan Whiteside's up to 9,000, but I'd feel pretty good about spending 9,000 on Hassan Whiteside at this point. Yeah, the, the Undertaker as well at minimum salary is worth, worth a squeeze. And, um, Carl Anthony Towns at 10,600. But there is plenty of weird options. There's, these are, these are the guys that I think I feel good about what they can do, as I've just mentioned. I hope that was helpful. I don't think there was any point in me going through each game and saying, these are the point guards, this is what is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, here's what they've done the last, because none of it is relevant. This is what is average. Like, none of it is relevant. It's about trying to work out who's going to see consistent minutes or locked in minutes and who is at real risk. And I, th- I feel like I've done that. Let me know. Like, if I've, if I've screwed it up, then I'll reassess that for next season. But that, that's how I thought this podcast should go down. 
It has been a fantastic regular season. Thank you, everybody, for listening, downloading, supporting the show. Remember, the podcast isn't going anywhere. We're having one DMP tomorrow, and then we're back on Friday with the awards show. We'll actually be recording it late Thursday or Thursday night, US time. It'll be there for Friday morning when you wake up. It'll be Friday, Good Friday here in Australia. When it's on, we're doing that in the morning. Um, And then the next day, it'll be the first of the playoff DFS shows because the playoffs start on Saturday, so there'll be one that's out for Saturday morning previewing that first lot of playoff games. And then we'll be straight back into it. And remember, season reviews coming. I'm not going to do the 2016 NBA Draft Review podcast on its own. In each season review show, there will be a dedicated section to rookies uh, on each team and how they performed it and projections for those guys moving forward. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll never miss an episode if you do that. I do suggest you do it. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, tune in. It is the best way to make sure you never miss out on anything. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Get involved. Debate me. Argue with me. Plenty of people are doing with it today. I, love, I enjoy it. I enjoy respectful arguments. I enjoy, I enjoy throwing stuff out there that can be debated and proved. And when stuff doesn't have an exact answer when I'm arguing with you, don't act like it does. And then we'll get on fine and we'll have a very good argument. But don't tell me that something is 100% fact when it can't be verified. Like I was having a very respectful argument with someone today. We we're talking about whether you know basketball back in the um, in the late 90s is better than now. And we're talking about you know whether the Bulls would beat the Warriors. So look, there's no way you can know that. I think that the basketball now is better. I think the talent now is better. Just because one team can beat another team, or theory, we're never going to know. Theoretically, the in you know these professional gamblers set a line of the Bulls being two point favorites. That's fine. We're never going to know that. But you know, my point is I think that the talent level is better. I think that there are more better players. I think that the eight seed from 2016 would smash the eight seed from 1997. But it's all debatable. There's no you're right, I'm wrong. It's like the MVP debate. It's like, here's my opinion. Here's your opinion. What's your basis for it? If your basis isn't bullshit, then fine. I'll accept any argument. Get stuck into me. Let's go. We're done. Thank you so much for listening today and all season. Remember, not going away. Don't give up on the podcast. We're still here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Tony Romo.